in the New Testament, prayer is a daily necessity for constant survival. So a believer that does not pray cannot survive. Prayer is so crucial in the New Testament. Like I shared with you the other time, there were some things that was not abolished in the New Testament, which crossed over successfully into the New Testament from the old. Now catch this thing. There were some things that were still carried from the Old Testament into the New Testament, though the Old Testament has been abolished. And it, it takes a spirit of understanding to catch some of these truths. You must understand that the law of Moses has been abolished. Okay? The law of Moses has been abolished. But there are still certain activities that was not abolished. It was done in the Old Testament, yet it is still done in the New Testament. If we don't agree on this, our perception about grace when it comes to prayer will be distorted. One of the things is giving. What giving did in the Old Testament is what giving does in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Moses raised funds to build the tabernacle. In the New Testament, we also raise funds to expand the kingdom. Are you here with me? Number two, fasting. But the only difference is that some of the Old Testament folks fasted for things that we already have in Christ. Are you catching this thing? Some of them fasted for some of the things that we had freely in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians 2, 12, the Bible says that for you did not receive the spirit of the well, but the spirit who is from God, that ye might know the things that have freely been given to you by God. So there are things that have been freely given. You can't fast for it. But fasting is still a necessity in the New Testament. Why? Because the apostles of the New Testament fasted. I don't think we are greater than apostles. And I love the apostle of grace so much. Paul, the one who brought the revelation of grace. He said, in fastings, often. 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 Often means it is something that was part of his life. In fastings, often. When I saw that scripture, I said, it's enough. Nobody can convince me out of fasting in the New Testament. Anybody that can sound more revelational than Paul, I have a problem with him. I'm telling you. Yet this Paul says in fasting often. Next is prayer. Prayer was not abolished because of grace, oh beloved. A castle, take it as a high. Now listen. If prayer is not part of your to-do list in a day, your day was useless. Forgive me, I sounded a bit harsh, but I'm telling you the truth. If prayer is not past part of your to-do list in the day, within 24 hours, the rest of your day was useless. Even if you signed a contract that day. Now, you see, you must understand that what most often 
men embrace and applaud, God frowns. So sometimes people think physical success is heaven's approval. If you are a man of the spirit who understands spiritual things, you can sign a contract and you'll be rejoiced and the Holy Ghost says, take the letter back. It's only a man of the spirit who understands what I'm saying. Because some things can sound beautiful on the outside. It can sound so great on the outside. But spiritually, heaven does not recognize it. Now listen to me. Whatever is not in the will and agenda of heaven is not recognized in heaven. According to heaven, it never existed. That was just by the way. Prayer is what keeps the New Testament church together. It's unfortunate that today prayer has been downplayed by many believers. We wake up in the morning, the first thing we touch is our phone, checking who WhatsApp us. It's a big shame to the church. I'm telling you. If you wake up here as a believer and the first thing you do is to touch your phone, I pity you. To check notifications. When, when heaven hasn't notified you yet. Checking out for feats and news when heaven has not spoken. It's a shame. Trust me. And you should be ashamed of yourself if you are doing it. I'm telling you. Listen. Train your recreated human spirit to speak in tongues immediately you wake up from bed. I'm telling you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The New Testament, many church people have become so lazy. We have so many excuses from believers. You know, some look so genuine, but it's still inexcusable. Because you have 24 hours in a day. If you don't work 24 hours, you don't have an excuse. You know, you don't have a problem going to work for 8 hours. But you have a problem praying for 20 minutes. There is something wrong with you. I'm telling you. There is something wrong. Why is it that prayer is one of the most powerful things in the New Testament, yet few believers partake in it? If I come to you and say there's salvation in my saliva, you see believers coming with bucket. My saliva, they'll come for it. Because they've seen value in it. But when it comes to prayer, many Christians downplay it. Prayer is for prayer warriors. Prayer is for the spiritual. Prayer is for the pastors. Prayer is for the highly spiritual. You are a joker. I'm telling you. Those days, a man called Stephen, he was not a pastor. He was a deacon. Today, deacons were clerical. Those days, it was not so. Deacons were, they were pantry boys. They served food. 
Yet the Bible says this man called Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom and power. Power. What made a pantry man so powerful? If Stephen was in our day, he would have been a general of us here. Isn't it amazing that the church today is no longer walking in power? And you see, we have been trained, you know. You know, you go to some churches, you say, it's not about power. It's not about power. It's about the word, my brother. Stop what you are saying. Listen, people have problems. I'm telling you. And they need solutions. So stop what you are saying. What you are saying is cheap talk. It's not about power. What is the... What is grace if there is no power in it? The church must up their game. I'm telling you. Because Christianity is not a joke. I'm telling you. Unfortunately, we treat prayer as the last thing we do before we go to bed. Lord, I'm back from work. You spent all your strength to work. And the last power you have is what you give to prayer. Someone says, man of God, you don't understand. I wake up at 4 o'clock. I have to bath quickly. When I bath quickly, I have to dress quickly. I dress quickly. I have to board the car quickly. And get to work quickly. And work quickly. <laughs> you know? So, you see, you find a nice excuse. But <laughs> um, on your way to work, if your boss sacks you and you come home, <laughs> how will you pray? <laughs> the work you were quickly, quickling. If you are sacked, you know, many Christians give attention to prayer when there is an urgency. Emergency. Hey, I've lost my work. You call believers. Charlie, Charlie, help me or something has happened. I don't understand what, what is happening. The things are not clear. Charlie, let's pray. Oh, it's serious. Hey, Kaba, Shanta, Kaba. So, before you lost your job, you see, many use prayer as something we use during emergency. So, they treat prayer as an ambulance. You know, ambulance, have you seen people taking ambulance to picnic? <laughs> have you seen someone taking ambulance with his girlfriend on a date? You know, you are expecting a guy to come. And the guy just goes, pom, pom, you come. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. You even slap that guy. Must I go with you with this car? Ambulance only operates during emergency. Fire service operates during emergency. And many Christians treat prayer as fire service and ambulance. Emergency. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's when you roar. He said, Father, I know my right. Long ago. I know my right. I know who I am. Hey, Katalabasha. It is written in thy word. You see, that is how come we see believers who get disappointed. Because, you see, they didn't treat their life, their spiritual life so well. So now, their life became a point where everything was lost and gone. That's why they were depending on God. And the thing doesn't work out and they say, God has failed me. You hear that word? God failed me. 
before you ever say God filled me, scan your life. Scan your life. I'm telling you because God never fails. You filled yourself. Until the church treats prayer as a matter of urgency. Until the church treats prayer as a matter of life and death. Until the church treats prayer as a matter of birth. We will not see the power of God fully manifested in our lives. I'm telling you this. The difference between the church of this New Testament and the, Old Test and the early church in the New Testament is prayer. It is prayer, I'm telling you. I came to discovery in the New Testament that God would never use a man beyond his prayer life. God would never use a man beyond his prayer life. I didn't say that God would never use you. You can be used though, but there are degrees of usage. You can be used, but there are degrees. Their degrees. Jesus prayed. Paul prayed. Peter prayed. The apostles prayed. What evidence again are you looking for before you pray? What evidence again are you looking for? This man prayed. I'm telling you. I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. <laughs> Charlie, understand this thing. Prayer is not one of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. If you are waiting to feel like praying, that feeling will never come. Prayer is a deliberate, consistent, habitual discipline. Now listen to me right. It's a deliberate, consistent, habitual discipline. Listen, if a man can discipline himself to, to go to the gym every morning, Charlie, you must discipline yourself to pray. If you can discipline yourself to press up every morning, <laughs> I've seen people looking at people's faces. Yeah. Physical bole. Spiritual kwashoko. <laughs> Have you ever seen a macho man that demons have been casted out of him before. <laughs> I can't imagine. Minko! Physically, everything is okay. Charlie, prayer is not a gift of the spirit. Oh. I'm telling you, it's a discipline. What is a discipline? A discipline is what a man decides to do, whether he feels it or not. That is discipline. 
A discipline is what you decide to do, whether you feel it or not. When it comes to discipline, feelings are out of the scene if you want to achieve success. In fact, the days you decide to pray is the day you feel more sleepy. The days that you want to pray more is the day a movie comes to mind. Yeah. 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 Prayer is a discipline. You decide to pray. You decide to pray. You need to write this. You decide to pray. Prayer is a decision. That is what discipline is all about. You decide to do something irrespective of how you feel. And this is how we must treat prayer. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for this word. Like I said at that time, you must have time to pray. You must also make time to pray. Have a time you pray. You must have a time you pray. You must have a time you pray. Don't, you see. Oh, shake a bataya. Don't let prayer look like the day you feel it, then you start. No. You won't be taken serious. Don't you have a time you go to work? You have a time you go to work. And irrespective of how you feel, you still go to work, especially tomorrow is Monday morning. Lectures and work. You see how it is. You wake up, everything is telling you to sleep. You wake up sometimes, you even wake up angry with your boss when he hasn't insulted you. Monday morning, you are angry with your boss already. Because of the stress you are about to go through. But yet, in all this distress, you still dress up and go. But prayer becomes secondary in our treatment. Hey. If you are waiting to feel to pray, that feeling will never come. I'm telling you. I'm teaching you some secrets in the spirit realm. There are some laws in the spirit. No amount of revelation of grace can break it. Listen. What you must use prayer to get, no amount of revelation can make it happen. You need to write this down. What you must use prayer to get, no amount of revelation can make it, make it work. I'm telling you. You want to walk in the giftings of the spirit? You know, the gift is a gift. But... <laughs> But nurturing the gift is another thing altogether. Nurturing the gift. So if it's a gift of prophecy, don't think that because it is a gift, it is automatic. It must be nurtured. And the process of nurturing is painful. It takes labor in prayer. You pay a strong price. You sacrifice to nurture this thing. You sacrifice your money to buy books. Remember those days? I was giving 50 CDs to lectures. By the time I pass through Circle and I get to Medina, I have just five CDs, sometimes three CDs left. I've bought books before him. 
So today, someone can say, Papa, impart me. I will impart you. But the impartation doesn't impart my knowledge. Because this one came through, yes. I can, the impartation can only help you with ease to get knowledge. I'm telling you. It is labor. Laziness is not accepted in the kingdom. If laziness is not accepted in any business environment, laziness is not accepted in the business of prayer. Oh, shut up. You know, there are many believers here. I don't want to believe there are about 70% of them here. I don't want to believe it. But there are many believers who pick inspiration when they pray as a body or collectively. So, you know, you see them pray when there are many people. And sometimes you might be deceived. You might think that, Charlie, this girl, they pray. This guy, they pray. I'm telling you, you know, they pray. He's drawing strength from the crowd. Because he has seen Pastor Emma saying, pray, 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 Kandaya, pray. He has seen Prophet Felix moving like this. So it's like something is gingering you. Then you see the person, Kai, hey Kai, hey Kai. Leave them and let them go home. I'm telling you. So many people, many Christians in the church today, they, they pray drawing inspiration from the crowd. I'm telling you. They draw inspiration from the crowd. But they don't have a personal prayer life. They don't have a personal prayer life. If I should go around and do a genuine experiment and test, I'll be trouble here. I'm telling you. Listen, you must learn to pray alone. You must learn to pray alone. It was one of Jesus' secrets. Learn to pray alone first. Collective prayer becomes a bonus or an add-on. Pray alone first. Prayer must be an intimate relationship with God first. Today in the New Testament, you see, in the charismatic churches today, they have destroyed the concept of prayer. So when you hear prayer, it's about dying by fire. Die by fire. Die by tender. Die by blood. So, in the New Testament, in the charismatic church today, prayer is all about die, 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 die. My enemies, die. My enemies, die. Prayer is not first about enemies. Prayer is first of all about God and you. It's God and you. God and you. Prayer is fellowshipping with God. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is speaking to God. Prayer is talking to God. That is what prayer is first. Listen, if you are dealing with demonic spirit, it's not necessarily prayer. You must understand this thing. The Bible said, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So you are just fulfilling scripture of binding. But the real prayer thing is fellowship. It's intimacy. Now listen. When you speak on phone with someone you love for a very long time, do you know the more you communicate, the more intimate the relationship becomes? You see, the problem of the church is that though we have fellowship, we don't have intimacy. Fellowship is initiated by God. Intimacy is initiated by us. Fellowship is initiated by God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, 
He says, God is faithful by whom also he has called us into the fellowship of his son. God is faithful. One nine. He says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. You didn't initiate this process. God did it. God did it. He's the source of fellowship. He, he opened the door of fellowship. But in the book of James, the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This one is not salvational. This one is not redemptive. This one is intimacy. You must draw near. Not because you are far from God, but he's speaking about intimacy. So now, the more you communicate with God in prayer, the more intimate you become with him because there is an exchange of words. Someone says that, teach me how to hear God's voice. Listen, the, the only way you can hear God's voice, is let me say this, what qualifies you to hear God's voice is to be a sheep. Let me explain. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. <laughs> so what qualifies you to hear God is to be a sheep. And every believer is a sheep. So there is, you are already qualified to hear because you have to be a sheep to hear. So the problem is not hearing. The problem is how to hear. You are not hearing because you are not talking. <laughs> Imagine you call your wife and she picks up one second, two seconds, three seconds, and you're on the line. Would that be communication? You called, you must speak. That's the connection. That's what prayer does. You speak to God. You speak to God. And as you start doing it, you might not hear the voice immediately because you are not being trained. You are training your, your recreated human spirit to hear. So you must keep praying before you start, keep, you, you start hearing. Have you seen this thing? So if you don't talk, how do you hear? You can never build an intimacy without prayer. So you must have a place to pray and a time to pray. You must learn to pray alone first. Listen, after you have passed the lonely test of prayer, the quest of Christianity comes with ease. You know why? You know why you must pass the lonely quest of prayer? Because you are easily encouraged and motivated by the crowd. Even if you are feeling sleepy, you know we have been doing all night with the guys. If you are feeling sleepy, someone will carry you and put his hand at your back, then you'll be praying. So you see, it's like there's a motivation. So even if you want to sleep, there is someone who is pushing you. In a, in a church, when they go for school of ministry, they are praying. They are doing the ministry and they are praying. They, they, are, they have people who, are, who have water guns. So if you are sleepy, they'll pray. Then you get up, then you pray. So there is motivation. But if you are alone, I, some of you, if you are left alone, your bed is in trouble. I'm telling you. Some of you, if you are left alone, hey, <laughs> you will sleep and saliva will come from your mouth. You will clean it again and sleep again. 
But listen, if you are able to build the capacity of praying alone, you discipline yourself to at least pray yourself alone for one hour. Charlie, the quest has begun. Alone. You went around without sleeping. Alone. Just one hour. You start it. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. The whole, you begin to see the whole world in 3D view. <laughs> Only if you understand what I'm saying. You begin to see the whole world in 3D view. Everything becomes clear. Nothing takes you by surprise. You understand things. When you engage in prayer, Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I hope somebody's being blessed now. Yeah. So, I was telling the church at that time that you know, many Christians pray for victory. Few Christians pray after victory. You're looking for a job. Father, the contract. Father, the job. Father, opportunity. In the name of Jesus. The job came. Salary, 2-5. First month. Second month. Third month. The work is too stressful. It's not difficult to serve God in this work. You see, that's your problem. You've not built the constancy, the stability of praying with or without victory. Before and after victory. You must learn this thing. Oh my God. You see, some of you, eh, God cannot trust you now. He can't trust you now. Because if the man trusts you, it will corrupt you. God was saying something. He said, before you were looking for the miracle, Jando parige pansa takamba yakaya. Your tongues was some stabby. Now, all things are well with you. Okay, so when you see the people praying, kaya, kaya, you mock them. Let's progress the soul. Skrail aive, aive sa. Father, have mercy on them, Lord. Hey. <laughs> ah, okay. Prayer was a charge by the apostles. It was a charge given by the apostles. Therefore, not praying is disobedience. Prayer was a charge by the apostles. Not praying is disobedience. Now, I want you to understand something before we pray. You must understand that prayer is labor. Prayer is labor. Colossians 4.12 Prayer is labor. When we talk of labor, we are talking about stress. It talks about effort. It talks about exertion of energy. It is labor. So there is nothing comfortable about prayer. Prayer is not comfortable. You see, you must understand the rules of prayer before you engage it. So that when you realize that you are getting stressed, you don't get surprised at yourself. It's labor. Look, he says, Epaphras, 
who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. For what reason? That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. It seems to me that standing and prayer move together. Standing and praying move together. So a believer standing in perfection is linked to prayer. You don't have a stand without prayer. He says, stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So if a man wants to walk in the complete counsel of the will of God, this man must pray. You must pray. Stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Hey. I told you the other day, Jesus was supposed to come and find the people in the temple praying. But when he came, it had become business. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He called the physical temple the house of prayer. Now, who is the temple of God in the New Testament? The believer. That means the believer is God's house of prayer. So, if you a believer and you are not praying, your primary purpose as the temple of God has been compromised. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And a believer is the house of God, the temple. So, God must find you praying in that house. So, if you are a believer not praying, you have compromised your function as the temple. You know, many believers have been trained to do receive it, receive it. Receive it. Amen. Receive is good. Okay? Because there are prophetic re- releases of words. It, it works. But you see, it, it doesn't always work that way. You must be trained to pray. Are you here with me? Listen, always challenge yourself in prayer. Don't be comfortable with prayer. You can start from somewhere. Instead of trying to pray 12 hours in one day and then that will be the end for the rest of the year. Start from somewhere. You know some people when they are gingered by the word say, hey, I'll go pray. I'll go pray. You pray three hours. The next day we can't even find you anywhere again. Start with 10 minutes. Move from 10 minutes to 15. From 15 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 1 hour, and you are moving. You are moving. You are moving. So now, before you realize, it has become a habit. Now, the, it gets to a time in your life, the way you feel when you have not eaten, you feel that same way when you have not prayed. Uncomfortable. You become hungry for prayer. It is labor. Hey, about It is prayer. Labor. So you must decide, discipline yourself to pray. You must decide that this year I am breaking the 30 minutes mark. Decide that this year I'm breaking the one hour mark. 
this year I'm, I'm breaking the two-hour mark. I'm moving into other dimensions of prayer. Oh. I hope I'm teaching somebody something here. Alright, so the do's and don'ts are the rules of prayer. I've said that before, but I want to recap it again. Because whatever you teach constantly is, is establishes in the heart of people. So don't feel you are familiar with it. You can never be familiar with the word of God. Number one, you should not wait for a problem before you pray. You should never wait for a problem before you pray. A believer who waits for a problem before he prays is not a serious believer. Never wait for a problem before you pray. You pray first of all to have fellowship with God. Number two, prayers can be hindered. I didn't say prayers cannot be answered. It can be hindered. We see that in verse Peter 3, 7. Now, understand this rule. Okay? Is it possible that a believer's prayer cannot be answered? Yes, it's possible. The Bible says that you ask and receive not because you pray amiss. You ask and receive not because you pray amiss. So, if you pray amiss, you can't have answered prayer. Amiss means that you pray out of the will of God. It also means you pray selfish prayers. Selfish prayers. Prayers that only satisfy you. That's prayer that means. Okay. So prayers can be hindered. It says, likewise, he husbands dwell with them, the women, according to knowledge. The word knowledge is common sense. Giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together with the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. <laughs> That's the power of a woman. A woman can cause your prayer not to be answered because it has been hindered so if it's not hindered the answer will not so I was even thinking that you have prayed and the answer is coming but it has been hindered he says that your prayers will not be hindered so the, the thing doesn't even go <laughs> it is hindered the prayer is hindered I became scared when I saw this one so husbands and husbands to be watch this one again okay so if the woman also wants to hinder your prayer, she'll tempt you. Then you slap her. I hinder prayer. <laughs> hey. You have lost the contract. Charlie. Number three, forgive. Listen, if you don't understand these rules. You'll be praying and your prayer will just be useless. You must learn to forgive. Because any believer that carries bitterness in his heart in the process of praying, his prayer is transmuted. Praise God. Because your heart has been hardened. Imagine you are praying with bitterness in your heart. Hatred for a brethren. Hatred for, for, for a relative. Your brother, your sister, your friend. You have bitterness in your heart. Listen, you must learn to forgive. Forgiveness releases you for effective prayer. I didn't say your prayers will not be answered. But for you to pray effectively, you must take away bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Listen, if anybody has offended you in the ministry, forgive the person. 
If anybody has been, uh, offended you in the house, forgive. If anybody has offended you in your office, forgive. You know, some people want to quantify it. You don't, Pastor, you don't know what he has done. If I tell you what he has done, you even tell me to curse him. Listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the person has done. Forgive. The Bible says forgive. Even as Christ forgave you. How did Christ give you? While you were yet sinners. Criminals. He says forgive that way. A believer who has unforgiveness is a selfish believer. I'm telling you, self-centered. It's all about them, their ego. He offended me. Everything, me, me, me. We are going to do with a kind of man coming Wednesday. <laughs> after, after listening to that message, Charlie, 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 you'll be sorted. You'll be fine. You'll be well-dressed. <laughs> Number four, you don't pray only on important days of your life. You don't pray only on important days of your life. Many believers pray more when they, there's an incoming wedding. They pray more when there's engagement. They pray more when they're about to graduate. They pray more after they've written an exam and they knew that they will fail. That's when they'll be there. Father, favor. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak by the divine authority. Work within the angels to go and change the people upside down. Change the words to my advantage. As I didn't study. So they pray when there's an urgent need. There is an occasion. There's a function. You know, they have to have first class. And one paper is going to stop them from having first class. So they are praying. I have good news for you. You'll be totally disappointed. Thank you. Number five. You can have prayer partners. You can have prayer partners. You can have prayer partners. It's good to have prayer partners to pray with. They help you to pray. Okay? But that has, doesn't also justify you praying alone. Alright. I want to balance it so you understand it. Now, um, number six. The reason, why you must, the reason why you must have prayer partners because iron sharpened iron. There are some people, Charlie, their prayer lives can influence you. It can influence you. Praise God. So number six, you can ask or pray about something over and over. Bible says Jesus besought the Lord three times that the cup should pass over him. Three times. So you can ask over and over. Jesus spoke about the parable of the, the woman that was so persistent. So persistent. Number seven, you can pray everywhere. You know, some people get religious. They feel praying in the toilet is blasphemy. It's wrong. You can pray everywhere. Everywhere. In the toilet, in the bathroom, everywhere. Everywhere is prayable. Okay? Everywhere is prayable. So, you know, some feel, okay, when you come to church, that's when you pray. When you come to church, that's when God answers your prayers more. No, no, no. You can pray everywhere. In your office, in the toilet, in the bathroom, everywhere. Okay? Alright. Number eight. Prayer is not always gentle. Prayer is not always gentle. 
prayer is an emotion of the spirit. When you are praying, you are releasing an emotion. There's a certain emotion you are releasing from your spirit. It's an emotion. Hebrews 5.7 So prayer is not always gentle. Sometimes you can pray gently. Sometimes Charlie is not gentle. Well, you realize that Charlie is young. He says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him I was able to save him. With strong cries and tears. Strong. Hey! Pray. Strong crying and tears. You know, sometimes you can't control some of these things. Praise God. First Peter 5.16. First Peter 5.16. Let me finish in five minutes, then we pray. First Peter 5, 16. 16. Hey, 16, oh. 16. Then, oh. First Peter 5, 4. Come to 14 and let me see. Hey. Okay, James 5.16. Let's see there. Actually, no. Let's go. It says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Effectual fervent, it means heartfelt prayer of the righteous availed much. Praise God. So, number nine, there are prayer postures. There are postures in prayer. One of them is standing, another is kneeling. Paul says, I bow down my knees to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's kneeling. You can kneel and pray. Stand and pray. You can raise your hands. First Timothy 2.8 You can raise your hands in prayer. So there are prayer postures. It says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up only hands without wrath and doubting. Now, someone says, okay, so these prayer postures, does it bring answered prayers? No. The prayer postures enables the effectiveness of prayer. Because you know, there are some postures that when you pose, you release your emotion for prayer. The moment you kneel, your spirit picks up that you are surrendering something. Instead of sitting down, when you stand, you are sacrificing. Because by sitting, you are resting. By standing, you are sacrificing something. You are telling yourself you are serious about this thing. So prayer pushes is not for God, it's for you. When you lift up your hands like that, it's difficult for you to sleep. Have you ever seen somebody doing that? <laughs> no, it's for you. Are you here with me? Yeah. You know, even clapping. But unfortunately, today people now clap in the flesh. So it's like everything. Clap your hands. I didn't say it's not spiritual. It's part of releasing emotion. It makes you serious about your prayer. But you see, now. It's like everybody is now doing it. So if you don't clap your hands, it doesn't look like a prayer is working. Are you hear what I'm saying? 
So these are parts. Releasing prayer emotions. Okay? And then groanings. 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 You know, sometimes when you see some, uh, you, when you see us praying, Paya, 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 you know, Charlie, <laughs> you know, some have done it in the flesh. Okay? But you see, it's a certain emotion in prayer. It's not that people deliberately want to do it. It comes to a realm when you pray, you, you move into that dimension. Your tongue is not many, it's just one word. You are groaning in the spirit. You are groaning in the spirit. Releasing groanings. Romans 8.26 Groanings in the spirit. He says, likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmity. For we know not what we should pray for. As we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Groanings which cannot be uttered. So sometimes it gets to a time you will lack the spiritual words to you. So you just begin to grow. Bye, 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 bye. It's, it's groaning. And the Holy Spirit intercedes through that groaning. It's as though you are tired. You are not tired. You want to pray, but the thing, the thing has locked you up. It just begins to groan just like that. Some will shout. That shouting is prayer. Praise God. Number 10. Anything you esteem above prayer is an idol. Anything you esteem above prayer is an idol. So if you esteem your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend above prayer, your boyfriend, your wife has become an idol. I'm hearing some groanings in our midst. <laughs> I mean, hi. Yeah. Anything you esteem above prayer is an idol. I'm telling you. A church that does not pray is a decorated event center. <laughs> yeah. A church that doesn't pray is a decorated event center. Now, here it is. Let me brush this quickly. When you spend time praying, you, 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 you easily not enter into error. I'm telling you. When you spend time praying, it's not possible for you to enter into error for a long time. You will come out of it. People get into certain revelations and they enter into certain doctrines and Charlie, it becomes scary. Some get into areas, they say, after reading the Bible, they realize that everybody is saved. There's no need to preach the gospel. Some get to a place, they say, sin does not exist anymore. Some get to a place, I heard some somebody preaching, they said, that the devil is the law. So anytime you see devil in the Bible, it's referring to the law. So I said, Jesus casted out devils. He casted the law from people. You see the nonsense? But people are believing that stupid knowledge. Some say the devil does not exist again. The devil is your mind. <laughs> the devil is your mind. Hey! Go to the village and do evangelism. Congrats to me. Yeah, go there. Go and do evangelism. And you will know who you will know for sure. You know, if you're in a car, everything is fine. So you can say some stupid statements. 
The devil does not exist. He's in our mind. <laughs> you get there. You, you have not tied the demon, but the demon is coming to you. Hey. I told you one time we were casting out devils in uh, my dad's church. In one lady. The devils were 72. The devil, has, the, the, the spirit itself said it. <laughs> we used two hours to cast the first 50. <laughs> How many more? 22. Another one. Out! 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 I'm going! Out! We finished successfully with our waist aching us. We said, lift up your voice. Get, you see, the lady fell down. Ah. I said, thank you, Jesus. So we started thinking, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. When we finished and said, amen, and the girl got up, hey, me come. Hey! And I saw that the, the prayer warriors in the men's fellowship, they said, okay, let him sit there. They all, everybody went home. How can we spend three hours on a demon? Why? Why? And you say, there are no demons. There are no demons. So what revelation is that? What revelation is that? Hey! You know, sometimes we see we can get some. You see, knowledge is powerful, yet knowledge can be dangerous. I'm telling you. You know, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge can make you proud. That is how come your knowledge must work by love. So even at the point, Paul said, "If I know, you know, the, in Paul's day, there were a lot of idol worshiping, but some of the believers came to understand the revelation of Paul. So some of them, because of their knowledge, they can enter into a shrine." And take the food in the shrine and eat it, and nothing will happen to them. So now, Paul had it. He said, No, I have to write to these guys. Paul said, Do you not know that you that is having this knowledge? If there is a weak believer who doesn't have this revelation and see you eating in the temple, don't you think you give him the liberty to also go and eat because he has seen you eating without no harm? Why does he know your revelation? And when he eats, the next morning, his stomach will become big. So Paul said, do you not know that your knowledge can become a stumbling block to another believer? So even knowledge has parameters. There are places where you express your knowledge. There are places when I go, I realize that no, in this environment, I cannot preach grace. So I use Jesus, but I'm preaching grace. There is a way I handle it. There's wisdom in handling your, your knowledge. You know, some people who argue because love and grace is teaching you grace. So you just go, you argue, hey, we are not, we are not grace. I'm talking about false doctrine. So you see, you see, what happens is that you win an argument, but you lose a brethren. Paul said, if eating meat will cause my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat. If eating meat will cause my brother to stumble. I will never eat meat. So Paul knew how to control his revelation with love. I'm going to treat that in the three kinds of men. So get ready for that series. Yeah. 
So, wrong decisions can be taken without prayer. Okay? Wrong decisions can be taken without prayer. Prayer is a place of discipline. Prayer is a school of the spirit. Now, you see, even for example, if your head pastor or your pastor is a prayerful man, there will be times he will take a very serious decision. To you as the workers, you don't like the decision. You know it's not good, but he has taken a decision. If he's a man of prayer, thank God. You'll be surprised. He'll come back next week and say that, I've changed it. You know why? Because prayer is school of ministry. The Holy Ghost can deal with him in prayer. The Holy Ghost can deal with him in prayer. There'll be times I take a decision and pray. The Holy Ghost says, what you did was wrong. You see, so if you're a man of the prayer, if you're a man of prayer, you, you are in a school of the spirit. Anytime you begin to pray, the Holy Ghost begins to tell you something that you didn't go right, which you must change. Are you seeing that? All right, so we're going to continue on that time. Lift, rise up on your feet. Lift your voice and pray. <laughs>